go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line. Our first Sunday morning in 2024. We are live in the Fox Sports RCG Home Loans powered by Luminate Bank Studio every Sunday at 8 on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM at 1340 AM. Flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. The We also includes social media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. And producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing and being part of several shows here at Lotus Broadcasting, Mags also serves as the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. We are also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and Twitch. The page is called Adeline. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Adeline Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports RCG Home Loans powered by Luminate Bank Studio Line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on tap brought to you by title sponsor RCG Home Loans powered by Luminate Bank. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, RCG Home Loans powered by Luminate Bank is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs to get information or to get your questions answered regarding anything mortgage or real estate related. Contact the pros at RCG Home Loans powered by Luminate Bank today. You know, I feel like maybe we're getting a little bit... You know, a little passive over the last few games, letting teams come at us. thought we uh, tried to close the gaps a little quicker tonight. Jack Eichel, they did close the gaps, and they finally won a game. And not doing great lately, but last night was a good win, and they look good against an Islanders team that's actually been playing well as of late. We will talk about that. We will also uh, discuss a little bit about UNLV basketball. They lost at San Diego State yesterday in the Mountain West Conference opener, and they've got a couple games this week, so we will bring them up as well. Uh, As you know, the college championship game, the um, FBS championship, is tomorrow night. Michigan and Washington, two undefeated teams, the only two left in the country at that level, uh, will face, I should say, will square off tomorrow um, in the national championship game. We'll, we'll, We'll brush on that a little bit. And joining us in a little while is going to be UNLV defensive captain, inside linebacker Jackson Woodard, transfer from Arkansas, and uh, as big of a heart as any kid I've ever talked to. Looking forward to him having him on the show in a little bit and talking about uh, what was a very successful, even though it didn't end that way in the last three games, very successful campaign for the UNLV Rebel football team this year. And uh, we will also have a great fact this stick around, and we've got a brand new sponsor uh, for fact this, so we're going to be Dipping into that in a little while, and of course, uh, Spencer is going to guide us in the bones as the Raiders get ready to play their last game of the 2023 season. I know it's 2024, but they're playing their last game today against the Denver Broncos. Spencer will give you his recap and what he thinks about the team, the quarterback, and the coach going forward. We'll also got uh, Week 18 in the NFL, some playoff implications on both NFC and AFC left to go. Uh, only really one playoff spot left to be determined in the NFC and the AFC, all kinds of scenarios going on, and we'll talk about that. And then we've got the picket segment. Um, I hope you didn't take our picks to the bank last week, unless it was my pick. We went one and three cumulatively, and it's going to be a battle down the stretch as we go through the playoffs because the season doesn't end the regular season. It goes right through the Super Bowl, so it gives everyone a chance. Even Spencer, if we all got extremely cold, maybe would be able to come up and uh, and get in the running. But uh, that is what's on tap, and of course, what's on tap brought to you by... Um, our title sponsor, Luminate Home Loans, I should say uh, RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank. So once again, if you have any mortgage or real estate related questions, contact the pros at RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank today. Real quickly, man, Happy New Year to everyone out there. Happy New Year to the guys in here. Um, an interesting 2023 for all of us. Uh, I don't know that 2024 can be better or worse. It all depends on what line of work in, what you had going on, and I guess where you were in the world in 2023, whether it was a good one for you or not. I know it was a great one for the Las Vegas Golden Knights as they uh, had their first Stanley Cup championship under their belt after only six seasons, their second appearance in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um third or fourth appearance in the Western Conference Finals. It's been a hell of a run. That's all I've got to say, and uh, we'll get into that right now. Go ahead, Spence. Hit Nightcap. 
Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Fox Sports Las Vegas. It can be a frustrating team to play, frustrating to watch, but what did you guys do right in the second half of that game to end up with five goals? Uh, I thought we were consistent most of the night, to be honest with you. I think they're a team that when they get behind, they have to open up a little bit and press. Uh, when teams play you know, closer to the vest and tighter checking, that's usually what happens. They've got to take a few chances. So um, you know, we were able to capitalize with... I looked at the first three goals, and they were all a mindset that we had going into the game that we practiced yesterday about putting pucks behind and playing below the goal line, right? Four check situations. The first goal, they rim out, they're not there. I think it was Marty that kept it alive. I'm not sure. But anyway, we end up, you know, getting a goal out of it. Um, what was the second one? What would have been Nick, was Nick Waugh's cycle the third one? Again, a four check situation. Uh, Stevie, sorry, to have a door fail. That started with a puck below the goal line again. So every one of our goals, we're forcing them to break out and execute well. And we got pucks back. So what you do when you get pucks back is, you know, your skill takes over or it's either low to high to the net or you attack. Whatever, different things happen for that. So that's what I thought we did well. Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with him. I think that, uh, you know, and it was a good question, Chris. I think that, I, um, you know, Bruce Cassidy has a gauge in this thing. And and, and we're going to play another question you asked Bruce Cassidy in a minute about, uh, you know, players down in Henderson and, you know, how they're focused and, and the depth of this team, which has always been a strength, is a little bit questionable right now based on some injuries and based on, frankly, pedestrian goaltender play, although Logan Thompson did a pretty good job last night. Um, is there a reason for concern? There's always reason for concern. I know I've been saying, don't worry, don't worry, this team's going to be fine. I still think they will. They're 23-12-5 and five on the season. Uh, the problem is 3-7 and seven in, their last, uh, in their last 10 games, and truthfully, they've lost 6-7 of seven going into last night. So it was a big win for them last night. It was a big win for Logan. Thompson last night and uh, and that was really the key to everything is him playing well making very timely saves matter of fact he made a couple of great saves last night um, one went in the first goal I think they scored was kind of surprised me I don't think it was a great goal but overall I think the body of work is he played really well and that is something that the Golden Knights are going to need going forward. Bruce Cassidy did give us an injury update in the post-game press conference and basically told us a lot about a lot of the guys. Um, Aiden Hill, he said, he'll probably see the Nets this week that he's practicing. The red jersey's coming off, and he's getting ready to, uh, to, to be one of the, you know, the top two goaltenders and take a little bit of the pressure off Logan Thompson. And hopefully Aiden Hill can come back and re, you know, regain the form that he had last year that won the Vegas Golden Knights. It was a big reason, I should say, for the Vegas Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup. They need Aiden Hill uh, to perform well. And Logan Thompson's going to have to play more like he did last night on a consistent basis and make some big saves. And the guy's got to play better in front of him. And and also, guys got to get healthy. Bruce Cassidy has to find the right chemistry uh, in his four lines, the way to work that in his three defensive units. But I think when it's all said and done, I just really like Bruce Cassidy. I really like his philosophy. I like his approach. I like the way he answers questions to the media. And quite frankly, I like his hockey, his hockey IQ. You can tell it's gigantic. And uh, he is just a perfect fit for this team. I mean, out of the three coaches they've had, Chris, I think he is the best fit for this Vegas Golden Knights team. I love Gerard, Gerard Gallant, don't get me wrong. I don't think Pete DeBoer got really a fair shake here. But I just like Bruce Cassidy. Bruce Cassidy just seems like I said, man, he's like that missing piece to the puzzle. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot to like about, about Bruce. Um, as you mentioned, the way he handles the media, he's very respectful. Um, you know, even when the team was in Anaheim a couple of weeks ago, when I asked him a question that, that maybe put some words in his mouth about the goalie situation, he didn't lose his patience. He didn't lose his cool. He actually gave me a really, really good answer and, um, you know, it was one of those questions where once I started going downhill, I realized there were moguls on that ski trail, and I don't know how to ski moguls, but I had no choice but to keep going. But, like I said, he, he could have bitten my head off, and he didn't. He, he actually gave me a really solid answer. 
Um, so it's it's from my perspective, from what we do, we obviously like him. Uh, from the fan perspective, look, the guys want to stay in the cup. You, they got to so, love it. So you, you have to love the fact that this guy won a Stanley Cup for you or helped you win a Stanley Cup, I should say. I mean, obviously the players go out there and they execute, and, and he'll be the first guy to tell you that. He can't control them with the joystick, I think was one of his quotes one 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 night. Um, but He doesn't know, pull a lot of punches. There's, you know? there's really not doesn't. a what, – what I like about Bruce is he's very – his sense. he's got a really good sense of humor. Like Pete, Pete DeBoer had a really good sense of humor too. But it's it, just dry. It was very dry, and, and but if you understood, you got a lot of the jokes that Pete would slip in from. He time just to time. doesn't change his facial expressions, yeah. which makes his jokes perfect. Yeah. But again, if you don't get it, if you don't get beyond that realm of the first level, yeah. you're not going to get what he's where, talking where about. Where Bruce, he's got a little sarcasm, and he slips them in from time to time. But everyone gets it. He's everyone, just, yeah. everyone laughs. Yeah. You know, like like sometimes when Pete would make a joke, that you look around and people in the, in the in the, uh, the 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 media session or section would, would kind of be like, huh? But like other people were laughing, and other people were looking at them like, well, why? So are you, when what? you look around the media section, people are just wondering. <laughs> yes, they were just wondering. <laughs> they were curious what what joke Pete was making. But um, you know, as far as as far as Bruce, what he does on the ice, look, this team, it's funny because there was something Nick Wass said, and I don't know, you know, it, it was a, an interesting. Um, set up last night because we actually had multiple players at it multiple times, which normally doesn't happen. Usually we get one player at a time and everybody gets the same quote, everybody gets the same question or whatever. But no, last night they had multiple players out, and, and obviously everyone went to Lucas Cormier, who got his first NHL game last night, got his first NHL point. But Nick Watt came out, and he was talking to a couple of us as well, and he made a comment about on Friday they they worked really hard on, on their forecheck in practice and they knew what they needed to do to be able to beat the Islanders, and that was like what what Bruce said, you know, get down below the the, the goal and 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 really work the puck uh, on the forecheck. And when Nick Wass said especially that, especially with the youth of the defense of the New York Islanders, I mean, yeah. that's a, that was a big thing. They are really young and inexperienced right now. Yeah. So uh, Nick Wah mentioned that that was something that they worked on really hard in practice, and Bruce had mentioned that that was something that they'd worked really hard on in practice. And if you look at their goals last night. That's how they scored. They scored. They scored. They didn't score transition goals. They scored goals working down, working the puck. Keeping Those are blue collar goals. Yes, and yeah, they got two goals from Jack Eichel. Yeah, they got two goals from Nick Waugh. But Pavel Dorfeev, who is filling in right now on the second line because we know William Carlson's going to be out for it sounds like a while. Uh, but look, I mean, the way they scored those goals was a team that went out there with the emphasis and focus on playing. Blue collar hockey. Yeah, and they were NHL caliber goals. I mean, those they were, were all really goals. good goals. They weren't yeah. greasy goals as Bruce as Bruce uh, Cassidy alludes to a lot. These were quality goals. And you know, Chris, you mentioned uh, a couple of guys that got in last night. I mean, it was pretty cool to see uh, Lucas Cormier get his first NHL game and then get a point. And of all things, to get that point by passing it to one of the best players in the NHL, Jack Eichel, to get his first assist on a Jack Eichel goal has to be pretty cool for him. And after the game, um, Lucas Cormier. He talked about uh, his first experience in the National Hockey League. Yeah, well, everyone's a, a little faster, stronger, kind of. Uh, but the, the for the system, this uh, it's kind of we're trying to play uh, in Henderson, the, kind of the same way they're trying to play here, so uh, to make the transition a little easier. I think it, it went pretty pretty smooth after that. Yeah, right now it kind of feels like it, it went by pretty fast, uh, taking everything in uh, at once. Now it's. Uh, it was a great experience from from top to bottom. I love seeing it. A young kid, 21 years old, his parents watch, and he, you could tell he talked about his family and how excited they were going to be that he gets his first point. And again, to get that first point uh, by assisting Jack Eichel is pretty darn cool. Chris, after the words, also asked Bruce Cassidy about that, you know, that this is a team built on depth and kind of, you know, having to, to reach down into Henderson. And Bruce is, it, it feels good about the prospects and what's going on in Henderson and the way they are, uh, the way they are bringing these players Chairman of Fox Sports Las Vegas, Bruce. Um, I don't know how many organizations in this league can withstand having to go 10, 11 deep on the blue line like you guys have. But what does it say about the job that they're doing in Henderson to have these young kids just ready to come up and, and be contributing factors here? Yeah, I, I, you know, I've said it all along. Last year, we I think there's some 
and I might have had it too before I got here. Misconception about the, you know, sometimes the development because players all came from elsewhere. But you know, it takes a while to build a bit of that through the draft and free agency to get those guys up and running. Um, you're looking at uh, Paul Cotter last year, uh, Nick Waugh and Hag, White Cloud. They all went through that. Logan Thompson. Uh, now you're talking about this year, Dorofayev, who was here bits of last year, that's now contributing. He's, a, you know, he's playing on the second line right now, so he's an important piece. Uh, Korzak comes up, was playing really well when Theo went out, unfortunately got hurt, so now it's Cormier that maybe will get some minutes. So it's a credit to everyone in the organization, player development guys that work with them before they get here, the Henderson guys, I know Huey works with the D, Wardy did a lot with, uh, and Manny, and then Wardy did a lot with the forwards. So, um, I think it takes a village to coach a whole organization. They've done a good job. They have done a good job, and it does take a village. And, you know, it's, it, it's pretty cool having the Henderson Silver Knights only a city away and a few miles away from, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights. And it really gives them an opportunity to all get to know each other, to interact. And I think that also makes the transition to the big club a lot easier when everyone is more familiar with each other and all of them living in the same town as opposed to when they, the AHL team was in Chicago and they didn't really get to meet each other unless they were called up to the big squad. This makes the transition. You're just going across town. You don't have to come out of state. You don't have to change time zones. And I think it makes it a lot easier for these guys to transition. And I like what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of new faces, guys we haven't seen before. You know, like a uh, uh, Cormier, like a uh, Jordan Foot, like like a. Uh, um then, then, how do you say his name? Uh, it's a uh, Denisenko. Yeah, yeah. Denisenko. You got it. Yeah, but but um, it, it's nice to see these guys come up and play well. And even you know a guy like Yuri Patera getting the opportunity last year in the postseason at the end of the season, and of course this year to get an opportunity not in the postseason but in the regular season, and this year to get another opportunity to be on the bench. And again, Aiden Hill coming back. I think this team is going to be okay. Uh, this week is going to be some decent tests for them. They're starting out in Colorado, who's been struggling as well. Then they come home for a game against Boston, who's had their has suffered a couple of lumps as well. That should be a really good game Thursday night at T-Mobile Arena, and then Saturday they will play against Calgary. So this is a tough week for them, but I think last night's game got them prepared and ready to start getting forward, and hopefully that was a lull, and now they can get back to playing Vegas Golden Knight hockey and winning, you know, three out of every four games, which is what it's going to take to probably repeat or put themselves in a position to repeat. All right, man, let's move on real quickly, guys. Um, UNLV basketball. I wanted to touch on that for a minute. Uh, they played at San Diego State uh, yesterday. Chris Spencer. Uh, they're 7-6 and six on the season. They lost 72-61. Not a horrible loss on the road. 10 points. But again, um, you know, when you look at it, four of their seven wins. Carroll Montana, Bethesda, Stetson, and even Hofstra. I mean, do you count those as wins? I mean, yes, you do technically but when you look at this team and you say that they're seven and six one game over 500 do you really look at them chris as an above 500 basketball team well when you have two wins against lower division opponents as you just mentioned bethesda which until the other day i thought was a city in maryland the suburb of washington dc and then carroll college who if you had told me they were in montana i would have said okay because I, I knew one, nothing I know else. One, I know one person. Yeah, Bobby Petrino. No, Bobby Petrino, yes, but check this out. Jesse Merrick ended his football Yeah, career. I told you that, you actually. Told, yeah, yes, you're the I one who told me that. that. Yeah. And I talked to Jesse about it. And that Matter of fact, right after you told me about it, I ended up talking to Jesse yeah. about it. And he said, yeah, he goes, you know, it was, they were bitter. You know, they, that's. Yeah, that, it was, that was cold and snowy, yeah. he said. So, yeah, and they got, like, like, stuck on their plane. They got stuck uh, there for a while. But, un- uh, until, like, last month, if you had asked me what state Carroll College is, I wouldn't have had any idea. No idea. Well, it says Montana because it's Carroll MT. So, oh, but, okay. But, but, I, but I get you, Chris. You but, know, like, the, the, the point I'm making, is I don't think this is a really good basketball team. No. They've got I'll tell you something. The the Boone brothers. They they I are think, they I think are those an guys... average at best. On their best night they're an average basketball team in the Mountain West Conference. And on their bad nights 
They're a, they're they're a bad basketball yeah, team. Yeah, on their bad nights, it's it's not pretty. And but I do think they have some decent players. I like Rodriguez's motor. I you know I think he plays well at times. And like I said, the Boone brothers, I think are legit D one Power Five conference players. On certain teams, they would see the floor a lot at a D one Power Five conference. I do believe they'd be role players there. But here they're counted on to be the best players on this team and to carry this team. We're on a lot of other teams. They would be role players. Well, what what you saw yesterday was San Diego State got out to that huge lead to start the yep. game. UNLV, you know, they scratched and clawed. Yeah, but but San Diego State's too good of a team. Mm-hmm. Like you you look, I, you I know don't want to fall way behind a defensive minded. Well, basketball well that, that's team. the problem. Yeah. You you can't play catch up. You can't chase the game against. I mean, what was it? It was like twenty to five at one point. Yeah, like you just can't get down, especially that early. To a team like San Diego State, look, they're starting to play really good basketball again. They found their groove. Um, I don't know if they're going to go back to the Final Four or the or the title game, but Brian, that's it's gotten to the point where there was a time when when UNLV fans would make fun of San Diego State because let's be honest, up until Steve Fisher got there, San Diego State was was a garbage program. But that was a long time ago now. And they, they have established a culture to the point that they lost Brian, in the NCAA championship you, you, you game could, last year. You could make the argument that over the last 10, 15 years, they are the best basketball team on the West Coast. They're right there. I mean, with Gonzaga, with they're Gonzaga right there. With Gonzaga and UCLA, yeah. they are right there yep. in the conversation. So, um, look, at some point, I think UNLV has to swallow their pride, and they have to start emulating what San Diego State does. Because the only way you're ever going to get to the level that San Diego State is at is to start to copy what they do. Well, they do, Chris. And, you know, and I'm not going to get into this a great deal today, but, you know, one of the biggest concerns of UNLV is, you know, is, is coaching. And I don't want to talk a great deal about that today. I want to give the guy more of a chance in the rest of this season. And it's crazy because the show's called out of line. I'm supposed to do my job here. And it's really tough when you really like someone and you pull for them to, to say negative stuff. You just don't want to. But like I said, we need to see a different feeling when I walk into that well, game. Chris. Brian, when I, I watch them play, I need to feel differently. It's like when I watch them play, I'm waiting to cringe. And that scares well, the hell out of me. I, I, I don't think, and, and I'm look, you're not saying anything that I don't think Kevin would agree with if you make the comment that he and the team need to be better than yeah. seven and six. They do. They need to not get blown out they by do. Southern. They do. They need to not fall down by 15 points in the first Chris, 10 minutes of the game fair, against San Diego State. They need to not schedule Carroll, Montana, and Stetson and put well, those guys on their schedule. Well, I understand that you, you have to play. Some teams. I mean, come you're, on. You're not going to go out there and you're not going to play Murderer's Row. Carroll, I mean, Carroll, Montana goes out to the farm and finds five guys and puts like, them on a basketball I mean, you, you court. Look at, I mean, you, you can't. Right now, you can't. Like, Florida Atlantic has done that this year. They've played a bunch of top 25 teams. And, look, they've won a bunch of those games, but they've lost a couple, too. If UNLV went out and played that schedule, they would be in big, big trouble. Oh man! So I can't, I can't even imagine. You, it, Chris. You, you have to, you have to find that balance. And I thought the schedule had that. You know, unfortunately, the the Dayton of the Dayton game was 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 canceled for, you know, the the tragedy that took place on campus, and and rightfully so. So they had to go out and schedule another game, but I don't think they were going to find anyone at. This at this point of the season, who was a D one program, so I'm, I'm not going to fault them. No, I'll give them for that. that. But but it's almost like Chris, do you have to schedule another game? Yes, okay. yes, you do, All because right. you know why? You've got to get these players as much playing time. No, I understand. Pl- that. I, I, I just I just got to believe that you could have found somebody out there. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I don't all know these either. teams have their have their schedules made. Yeah, I know. Six months ago, I know. I know. So you, you know, you're not going to be able to schedule. I and mean, that think, was, you know, it, it was the the game was canceled in Ohio because of the tragedy here in early December uh, that happened at UNLV, the shooting, and that's why the game was canceled ultimately in Ohio, and Kevin Kruger did had to find a replacement for that. They played it at the Cox Pavilion against Stetson, and quite frankly, it might have been one of the lowest, the smallest crowds that they've played in front of, and we've seen some oh, pretty was it New Year's play. Day? Yeah, it was like New Year's Day. It was New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve during the day, and it was sunny. But anyways, enough on that. That they This week, just to let you know, they, they are playing New Mexico on Tuesday night. That will be a huge test for this team. 
New Mexico is a team that can be ranked, and I'll tell you what, I will be surprised, I'm saying that right now, if New Mexico at the end of this season isn't bidding for an NCAA berth. This is how good I believe this team is. And uh, they're a well-coached team, and they're going to be tough to play. And then, of course, Utah State comes in on Saturday. Maybe not the Utah State team we've seen over the past half a decade under Coach Smith, but... uh, this Utah State team is going to also is also going to pose a problem for them. And UNLV, I think, has got to come out of this one. I, I don't expect them to beat New Mexico, but they're going to need to compete with Utah State and probably win that game uh, because they've got to win those types of matchups. Let, listen, let's move on. Got a guest on the line. I want to get on the show uh, talking about the other UNLV team that we do cover here and talk a lot about. And, of course, that is the football team. They have been working on establishing a culture. Chris uh, Spencer, as you guys know, both alumni of UNLV for years and years and years. They've gone through several coaches, several cultural changes, several athletic directors, and finally I think the right pieces are finally in place. Eric Harper, at least as long as I've been covering these teams since 2012, is the best I've seen here. I think he's an excellent athletic director that truly cares about this university and team. And I'll tell you what, you know how I feel about Barry Odom. Since the day I met him at the private lunch that he had before he ever, you know, when he was just getting started here, um, I said, this guy's different. When he came on and he said, look, I'm not telling you, and Chris, you were there. When he came on and he said, I am not telling you that we, I am here to build a culture, to, to build a team, um, and to, to, that we're going to rebuild. I am here to win. The bottom line is if I don't win, I won't have a job in a couple of years. I've never heard a coach come in and open like that, and he did. But uh, without further ado, I want to bring aboard the defensive captain of this team, a guy that Barry Odom convinced to come with him from Arkansas to UNLV and really is part of what helped establish this team, a guy that when you see him, a little bit undersized as, a, as an inside linebacker at D1 college football, but I'll tell you what, he plays 20 pounds heavier than he is, led the team in tackles. Every time you see him, whether it's in the backfield, whether it's in the middle of the field or in the secondary, Jackson Woodard's all over the place, man. The guy makes a lot of tackles. He is the heartbeat of this team. And I've talked to him a couple times after games. As you've seen, we've recorded interviews with him. And every time, extremely humble, extremely focused. And this kid just wants to win. And uh, and he's got another year here at UNLV, so that's good for everyone here in the program. Jackson, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's an honor. I appreciate it. Well, it's it's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to talk to you a couple times this year. I think you epitomize what people want to see when they talk about collegiate scholarship athletes. And I mean that sincerely, not just because you're on the show. And I get pretty out of line. That's the name of the show. And so, you know, I do mean it. Jackson, talk to me about this season. You coming and leaving Arkansas, a D1 program, to follow Coach Odom first and foremost, and then to have a season like they did, knowing the recent, and matter of fact, distant history of UN. LV football. Yeah, it was an awesome season um, in many ways. Uh, Coach Odom, you know, like you said, is is a winner. Um, he established a winning culture here from day one, um, and I saw that, knew that he would do that. Um, so it was an easy choice to come here and follow him. Um, and then to have the season that we had, it, it was awesome. Um, the guys in that locker room really deserve it. I mean, they have a lot of athletes in that locker room uh, before I showed up. Um, and they work so hard. Um, so it was a good season. It was, it was good to see our work pay off. Um, obviously, we wanted to finish it better uh, for multiple reasons, um, but we'll get that championship next year. So, You know, Jackson, what I've noticed over time is a lot of the guys, since the porthole has become a wide-open thing, and it's such an important part of college athletics now, especially the major sports, uh, football and basketball in particular, um, you know, a lot of guys that you see transfer, if they're transferring from one school to another, uh, you know, it's usually, you know, the, the one school and they want it, they want it to kind of showcase themselves maybe after they graduate their fifth year. Typically when you see a player come from a Power 5 conference school to maybe a lower echelon D1 school, it's because they're not seeing the field or not, they're not playing enough. You were a guy that played at Arkansas. So what makes that decision to come to a school that you know doesn't really have a football culture. Uh, you know, you definitely know Barry Odom's coming here, and I know that was a huge part of your decision. But to ultimately make that decision to sit down with your family and say, "I'm going to leave Arkansas and go play at UNLV," what 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 brought that? Ha- what made that all happen? Yeah, I mean, a big part of that was winning. Um, I knew I could win here. Um, I knew this was, you know, going to be a a team and a, a place where I could really. Um, excel in, in multiple ways, uh, but 
but ultimately it was to win. Um, at Arkansas, I, I played, um, but not to the level I want, uh, wanted to. Um, and then having Barry Odom as, as my head coach was a big deal for me. So a mixture of, you know, coming to a place where I wanted to win, wanted to get a championship, uh, and then playing for uh, a coach that, that I know believes in me and uh, wants the best for me was, was the ultimate reason. You know, you start the season, you play Bryant. You know, obviously everyone expects that win, but you can never look past anyone. Then you get the opportunity to go to the big house and play a team that actually tomorrow night is playing for the College Football National Championship, their first since 1997. Uh, pretty cool. I'm from Detroit. I'm wearing my Detroit versus everyone, but this is more for the Lions than it is. I'm a graduate of Michigan State. So uh, I'm more for Ricky White and Michigan State. But today and this week, I guess from, from Detroit, I'll pull from Michigan. But you guys played them, and that's a hell of an experience getting an opportunity to play a program like that at their house and experience what it's like to be inside of a giant bowl with over a hundred thousand fans now the game didn't fare really well for you but after that game this team went on a run what do you think maybe this team learned from playing a game like that and you lose your quarterback all of a sudden you got a redshirt freshman quarterback coming in what elevated this team after that michigan game and changed everything yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think that they're, you know, this team was was due to go on a run like that. Um, and I don't know if it was as much as playing Michigan that started it. Um, I think, you know, if we played anybody, uh, the same result would have happened. Uh, this team was hungry. Uh, this team wanted to win. Uh, that was obviously an amazing experience. It, it was a good game. I wish we would have played better. Um, but after that game, I think we just came together and, um, you know, said if, if we want to go win the championship and, and do what we say we want to do, uh, we got to start it now and we got to go go attack and do it right now. Uh, there's no time to waste. Um, that's what we did. We went to work uh, starting with Vanderbilt and then it just it just rolled over. You get to the end of the season. Things are just rolling. You already know that in the last game of the season, it's pretty it's pretty tough when you play San Jose State in the last game of the regular season. That could either make or break it as far as getting to the Mountain West Conference Championship game. Everything ended ended up working out with uh, with uh, the way things you know the way things played out, and you guys got to play against Boise State, a team you hadn't played about in the, in the Mountain West Conference Championship game. Do you think maybe losing that San Jose State? change something in this team I mean both those opponents were pretty formidable no question about it I was there watching both games a lot from the field and I saw how hard you guys were playing and how tough they were but do you think you know because it was kind of a snowball effect towards the end of the season yeah I mean it, it obviously hurts going into the the championship after uh losing to you know San Jose State but both of those teams are really good teams um and, and it sucks to say it but on on, on those days they were they were the better team um, they play better ball. Uh, so I think, you know, it's ultimately it's going to be good for next year. Uh, it's a really good learning experience on, on you got to finish the season better. Um, you got to step up to the plate. Uh, those teams were ready. Um, you know, I thought we were ready, but uh, on those days that they just play better. And, and that starts with me as, as a captain, uh, as a leader. I got to get, you know, the guys ready on defense. And so, you know, it, it obviously hurt going into the championship game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, they just played better than we did. At the end of the day, you still got to a bowl game, got to a nice bowl game in between Christmas and New Year's. Um, I went down there to Arizona. It was really cool seeing Chase Field turned into a football stadium, you know. And for you guys to get an opportunity to go there, play in a bowl game, your first year here, but for you and LV, they hadn't seen a bowl game in a decade. Our my former co-host Caleb Herring is the last quarterback to take you and LV to a bowl game before this season. And you know, it started. You guys went right down and scored a touchdown. Went into a lull for a while. But in the second half, there were adjustments made, and this team out came back out and competed in the second half and got within four points of getting back in this game. What kind of stuff does Barry Odom do at halftime to turn things around like that? Because I've always said the way you can judge a coach is see how they come out at halftime because coaches have to make halftime adjustments based on what they see in the first half. And it's a quick turnaround, man. You don't get a lot of time to make those adjustments. But Barry Odom is one of those guys that does. What does he do at halftime that brings you guys out to come back in a game like Kansas where it looked like you guys are down and out? Yeah, you scored three points at the end of the first half, but it really looked like man this is going to be a tough one for UNLV to come back and and then you did yeah I mean he he's hired two great uh, assistant coaches you know coach Shear and coach Mary and uh, they come in they give us corrections um, give us things that 
we're going to do differently coming into the second half. Uh, you know, Shearer talks to the defense and Coach Marion talks to the offense. Um, and then ultimately, Coach just gets up there and, and tells us what we're going to go do. Um, and he, he says it with confidence. He gives us confidence. Um, and then he just talks about the urgency. Uh, he said, you know, offense, you're going to go out there and score. Defense, you're going to get a stop. Offense, you're going to go score again. And then we're right in this thing. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of what he says is true. Uh, and it ends up being true. And, you know, when you got a culture and, and a team that believes in a coach like that, um, and, and he comes in with confidence and says that, you know, everyone's on board. Everyone believes in it. Um, and then it's, you know, us up to us just to go ex execute it. Um, so it's, it's not too much besides him just – Believing in us, giving us confidence, um, and then telling us what to go do. Yeah, you know, I've seen it through, through the coaches I've seen here, and God Almighty, I've talked to a lot of coaches in my career doing this. I don't want to talk about how many because it'll tell how old I am. But, you know, Barry Odom to me, everything seems genuine. And I'm not just saying that the guy just seems genuine. And I think that is really cool for all of you guys to play for a coach that genuinely seems to really care for you guys and love you. And when people say family, that is the most overused cliche in sports. Every team is a family and this, that. But you know what, Jackson? When it comes to Barry Odom and you guys, you kind of look like that to me. And that is pretty cool. Let's go forward really quickly to end this thing and close it out. I want to let you get back to your Sunday morning. We've got NFL playoff games to watch and stuff along those lines. But Going forward to next year, what is it going to take for this team to shore up? And the one thing I'm going to say, I've got to promise Mark Wallington, I won't go too far on this. I was pretty pissed off when I saw that, that, that Jade Maeva entered the portal after getting this opportunity. Barry Odom stuck with him when, as a, as a spectator a couple times. I thought he should maybe make a move and give Doug Brumfield a chance at, at different points in the last three games. I'm not a coach. That's why I'm not a coach. I don't make those decisions. But he made the decision to stick with Maeva. And then Maeva goes into the portal. Maybe And, and, and what we're hearing is because he he wasn't named the starter. I'm not going to ask you to comment on that. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm just going to let you know. The show's called out of line, and i got to let know people. I'm upset about that because I think this team, man, they finally get something going, and then you've got to replace someone in the most important position. Leaving that subject aside, tell me what you think it is going to take to get UNLV over the little more, a little bit more of that, that final hump where they get to the conference championship game, win it, get to a bowl game, and maybe compete and win that as well. Yeah, this year, I mean, getting a lot of the team back is huge. Uh, almost, you know, every leader is going to be back. Obviously, you're you're missing Trig, uh, a captain, um, and then Dre. But but getting a lot of the team back is huge. Um, and then we just got to get right back to work. Uh, it, it starts, you know, the 15th of this month, um, getting everybody back, getting to work. Um, and then, you know, that's what it takes, um, going to work and outworking every other team um, is, is really the only way to win. Um, but a big part of uh, next year, um, I think, is just, just taking one game at a time. Uh, we, we know we have the athletes in the room. Um, we have the coaches. Um, it's just us to go – or up to us to go execute. we got a lot of players coming in, uh, a bunch of freshman talent, uh, transfer talent. Uh, so we're looking forward to for next year, um, and, and it should be exciting. The fans should be excited. Um, we're we're, we're going to do everything we can to go get that championship. How do you like playing in Allegiant Stadium? It's phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's, you know, every game people, you know, are looking forward to traveling to a certain stadium to go play. Well, we got it in our backyard, so it's pretty sweet. You're playing in one of the nicest facilities in the entire country, man. Pretty cool. Jackson, I really appreciate you taking the time out to join us today. I wish you nothing but the best of luck, especially since I didn't see your name enter the transfer portal. I'd have been pissed at you, too. So I'm happy you're still here, man. Best of luck to all you guys next year. And, uh, hey, bring it home. Yes, sir. Go Rebs. Go Rebs. All right, man, that is Jackson Woodward, Woodard, defensive captain and linebacker of the UNLV Rebels. Chris, I love that kid, and I liked him. I interviewed him twice during the season, both times. Just displays class. He is the kind of kid, when you talk about a scholarship D1 athlete, that's the kind of kid you want to talk to. Yeah, student athlete, obviously. Yep. Um, and I, 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 I was tempted to jump in and ask him, was he like in a cabin in the woods? Because, like, like – I thought he was on Mount Charles. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the background. I was kind of like, jealous too, man. Like, I'm like, man, that's really how cool, cool of a place yeah. would that be to watch the football games today, Spencer? We might have to horn in on him and find out where he's yeah, at. Yeah, like I'm, I'm looking at that. Maybe have to ask Mark Wallington yeah, where he's where, at. Where the hell because, he's at? Because he, that's a like I'm like, man, 
Oh, wherever like, he's at, the kid deserves it, man. That's he, cool, yeah. It is, it is. I mean, he's really cool. And listen, real quickly, I want to get the fact this in our new sponsor, but before I do one, this real quick, the Michigan, I mentioned briefly, Michigan-Washington game. Guys, I'm going to give each only about 30 seconds to talk about this game. I'll tell you right now, I think it is going to be maybe a better game than I thought it was as the week went on. Maybe I'm listening to all the hype. Michigan's a four-point favorite. Um, I think uh, McCarthy is the best quarterback maybe in my lifetime that I've seen at Michigan, and Tom Brady played there. But Tom Brady, I'm talking about at Michigan itself, and look what J.P. McCarthy's done. J.J. McCarthy, excuse me. This guy has three times taken this team to the, the playoffs, and now he's in the championship game. I can't see Washington and Penix win it. Although, man, is there any quarterback in his with more expe- more experience than Michael Penix Jr. Well, I think the interesting thing about this game is from a Raiders perspective, you have a quarterback in Washington that a lot of people have linked to the Raiders. And on the other side, a lot of people think that if Harbaugh wins, you know, this national championship, he's going to go back to the NFL because he accomplished everything that he wanted to in college. So it'll be interesting to watch from that perspective specifically. Like if Penix has a good game, he's jumping into the top 10 of Who the wins? NFL draft. I'll take Washington. I think Michael Penix is literally oh, okay. just that good. Megs? I'm with Spencer. I think Washington wins. They just seem like a team of destiny. Um, they keep finding ways. Like, every game they have won. First of all, they 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 had, I don't care what any any SEC homer says, Washington had the toughest schedule in college football, and they, they navigated it. I don't care if they're winning games against Oregon by three or four points or Oregon State by four or five points. Bottom line is they're winning good, close games against good teams. I worry a little bit about their pass defense, but those guys seem to be able to make the plays when they need to. Michael Penix is the best quarterback on the field. I think he should have should have won the Heisman Trophy. I think he was the best quarterback in college football this year. I think Washington's going to win. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any stretch, but I think they win a close game. That's their MO. They win close games. Um. Yeah. Uh, so I, I agree with you, Chris and, and Spencer, as far as Washington. Like I said, I think they'll make it a game. Um, I would I, I wouldn't let you guys talk on the show if Michigan State was playing. And you were talking against them like that, but since it's U of M, I'm not. Well, as, I'm not saying anything bad about Michigan. I just think Washington's a, a better team. I think they've got the better, the best player I, on the it, field. It, it's tough. I mean, Michigan. The, I just think Michigan has played tougher games than Washington has this year. And I disagree. You don't. You, I disagree. You don't think so. I think the Pac-12 was the best conference in college football. And Washington beat wow. every every team that every they good did. team they, in the Pac twelve they beat. Uh, you know what? I, I, and they beat Oregon twice. They did beat Oregon twice. But I still think, you know, like I said, I don't think I'm being a homer here. I just think Michigan is a well-rounded team. I think Blake Corum might be the best professional running back in college football right now, meaning I think his transition is going to be phenomenal. He is a poor man's Barry Sanders, and I can't believe I'm saying that, but I said a poor man's Barry Sanders. And McCarthy will stay, and it's smart if he stays because I think next year uh, he will be a top-10 draft pick if he stays in college one more season and has a successful year next year. Listen, on to that, Spence. Go ahead and hit it, man. I am beyond ready to uh, to to get to this segment. Back this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Well, first I will say that fact this is brought to you by brand new sponsor, and that is Life Like Hair Center, and that is in uh, Las Vegas. And uh, I definitely want you to check this place out. If you have any issues with thinning hair whatsoever, they have the best non-surgical hair uh, replacement techniques in existence right now. So make sure if you uh, you get out there, check them out. And I'm trying to find their number. I thought I wrote it down here, but I can't find it anywhere. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll play that a little bit later. I don't know what I did with it. Uh, what, let's see if I find it here. Nope, I don't find it here. So we'll we'll get it we'll get it to you as you hear the commercial. Spencer's giving it to me right now. It is uh, 702-737-5759. Or you can go to lifelikehair.com and uh, schedule your free consultation today. We'll get that right as time goes on. But uh, I'll tell you what, it is a fact regardless of how you want to slice it when last night's game between the Detroit wait a minute I'm in the wrong one how am I in the wrong I'm in the wrong place man I went to the wrong segment Spence okay here we go let me get to the right fact this now that's why I couldn't get it okay here we go fact is that prior to the start of the season the Houston Texans had the second longest shot of making this year's NFL playoff it is also a fact that after yesterday's road win at Indianapolis, the Texans are in. This was accomplished because of a rookie head coach 
D'Amico Ryans, a rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud, and a rookie offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick. And yeah, I know Bobby Slowick was with San Francisco the last couple of years, but he was simply the passing coordinator, not the offensive coordinator. And you see how different San Francisco is this year. These three guys have been remarkable. And the Houston Texans, for the first time since 2019, uh, have won 10 games and are in the playoffs. And after the game, uh, this is pretty cool. This is both, uh, uh, you, first you can, you can hear uh, D'Amico Ryans in the locker room, and then C.J. Stroud, who I loved it because he showed humility and how much this meant to him as he got emotional after the game. Proud of the determination, man. You talk about determination, pure grit. Everybody fight to that last place. Yeah. That's what it's about, man. And we punched our ticket. Man, it's a blessing. I can't do nothing but just thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, man. I'm sorry. I put a lot of work in. My team that has everybody counting us out from the, from the start. So, man, it's just special to see the city of Houston just on a come up again. 4,108 passing yards this season, 23 TDs, 5 INTs. That is the third most passing yards by a rookie in NFL history. And considering he only played in uh, 16, not 17 games because he had a, he had a concussion. C.J. Stroud, man, as good of a quarterback as I've seen come out of Ohio State maybe ever. Uh, this guy is the real deal. And what's so great about him is not just he, is he a tremendous athlete. It is his ability to throw the football. He is so, he, just pinpoint accuracy for a rookie. He doesn't play like a rookie, and this guy really, uh, you know, the key is this. Again, they were the second longest shot to make the playoffs preseason this year, plus 650. The only team with a longer shot was the Arizona Cardinals at 10-1. to 1. I mean, it is really, I, I wrote Houston off for dead at the beginning of the season. Granted, I had no idea that, that C.J. Stroud would, would materialize into what he has, but I am just blown away. Another one of the teams, the funny thing is the team with the third longest shot was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at plus 400. If they win today, they'll win the weak NFC South, but yeah, again. Yeah, they blew their chance last week. They, 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 I mean, they'll they, win today because they're playing Carolina, but boy. I mean, I, I just Manchu Minshew mania has never been something that I've uh, I've talked a lot about or I've bought a lot into. But uh, you know, I mean, the guy's got some nice mutton chops, and every now and again, he's a gunslinger. He wins. He wins a game you don't think he would win. Well, he but didn't win yesterday. No, so. he didn't. <laughs> and uh, and and I with Indianapolis. And 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 the thing is, is um, I like him though. I just, I you know, I think it's an overrated thing. This this I, I think it's his look that gets all the hype, Chris. because well, it's, it's not his play on the field. You know what he. he He's an average quarterback, maybe above average it's on some It's kind of like that cult figure, like a, like a Fitzgerald. You know, he's got yeah. that kind of cult thing going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 got a cool look, and I think people are are, are you know attracted to that. But uh, it doesn't win football. Look, games. I mean, D'Amico Ryan should be the coach of the year. Jimmy G's got a good look too. That doesn't yeah. win football. CJ Stroud should be rookie of the year. Yeah. Um, look, the Texans. I, I started picking give up D'Amico on D'Amico Ryan, the the the, oh, the, the, the to, coach of the year. Absolutely, you have to oh, right. No, 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 no. The coach for the Browns is easily the coach of the year. The guy had like four quarterbacks. quarterbacks. Yeah, but you know what? Joe Flacco off the street and made him look like a like one of the best players in the league. He's going to win. Why are guys guys mentioning Dan Campbell? (laughs) Well, because the Lions were supposed to be good. In fact, I think the Lions probably should have more wins than they actually do. You know how I feel about that. But you know what? I mean, I started taking notice of the Texans about midseason. When they lost to the Jets, I said, "Oh no, they're not gonna, they're not gonna." But they rebounded really nicely after that. They're a good football team, and you know what? We got to see how good C.J. Stroud was last year in the NCAA playoffs. I, and you just never know if that's going to transition. Yeah, to and, the and NFL. generally, you know what? There, there, there's rules of thumb. Ohio State quarterbacks tend to suck in the NFL. Yep. USC quarterbacks tend to suck yep. in the NFL. So I said he might which be is, the- which is why I'd be, I'd be real cautious. About drafting Caleb Williams, a track record of USC quarterbacks in the NFL. I like I like Caleb Williams. Chris. The difference is he's got Lincoln Riley. Correct. Yeah, I agree. But but again, and and you know, uh, C.J. Stroud to me, and I said it earlier, might be the best quarterback in my lifetime I've seen come out of Ohio State. I think we'll see what what, yeah. the, what the future holds. It's not Joe like Germain. No, it's. <laughs> Terrell <laughs> <Israel> Pryor. <laughs> yeah. Spence, go ahead and do, real quickly, man. We got to get to the bones. Uh, I, I need one minute summation of the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders. How about the Las Vegas Raiders this year? Uh, the, the, obviously, the key things that everyone wants to talk about is the quarterback position 
and the head coach. What do you see going forward into 2024? Yeah, well, they don't have a quarterback. That's for sure. I mean, I wouldn't mind keeping Jimmy G on the roster for whatever quarterback ends up coming in because I think they're going to draft somebody. The coaching situation is very interesting. Why do I you mean, hate Aiden O'Connell? So, uh, I mean, he's so obviously not a starting level quarterback in the NFL. It's obvious now. I'll I mean, say this. The, the guts he showed and the poise he uh, had on that two-minute drive last week. Oh, yeah, those guts I on that seven-win Raiders team. I, I don't, hit different I don't, this year. Yeah, but how much of it is his fault? It is a lot of he's it. Not, he's not, not losing games. He's not completion after the first quarter in the Chiefs game. I mean, that's an inexcusable <laughs> level of play. Like, Look, that's I'm unreal. Spencer, Spencer, I'm not saying he's the guy. Spencer hates him. I, okay. I, I just I just don't know if, if you're being fair to the kid either. I'll take him out to dinner or something if you guys like know, You know what he reminds me of? If, if Pugsley Adam got thin and grew up, that's what he looked like. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to leave that alone. Spencer, go ahead and give me Antonio Pierce. What's going to happen yeah, with they him? They told the coaching staff this last week that they can go look for other jobs, but to keep them informed on, what, on who they're talking to. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to poach any of these guys except for our defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham. There's definitely so going to be a high level of interest. So in now this week, Antonio Pierce is gone. No, I, I want him to stay. Personally, if it was no, up I'm to saying, me, I'd, I would have hired the guy after the Chiefs game. I would have went down to the your, locker room and, and taken off the pick. Uh, I think if Harbaugh wins it, I think he'd rather be on the Raiders and the Chargers, personally. Uh, Harbaugh gets I, the I job if he's available. I, I, I think I think Harbaugh would rather coach Justin Herbert than well, no quarterback. Well, he's going to get his pick at quarterback. They're going to yeah. trade up. Chris, I mean, Chicago's so going to make a big play for him, too, and that's that's where he played some football. So, I mean, and it's next to Michigan. You yeah, know, but the Midwest. Does, does, does Jim Harbaugh want Justin Fields as his quarterback? Yeah, but it's not. he's got the number one pick in the yeah. draft. So, I mean, it's, it's look, a little here, good. Let's I be think, honest. If, if you're the Raiders, Spence, Justin Fields is out there. Any interest? Yes. I'll take it. I, I mean, I, I don't know. He's as a Jet a fan, I'm, I'm on the, so I'm on the same. I'm on the, yeah, I think I, Justin I Fields still has that. potential. I, I can't argue. I think Marge Simpson does have an opportunity to play somewhere well, and we'll see what happens with Marge as the time goes on. Of course, look at Marge Simpson and Justin Fields and tell me there's not a similarity. All right, I'm done with that. Listen, let's get to our pick segment. Last week, as I mentioned, uh, we went one and three. I am the one win, so that will uh, that will move me up, and that gets me moved up to um, – uh, I think I'm a half a game back behind the two leaders now. But getting into today and today's games, we can get right into this. Uh, Scooper always gets to lead it off. You're the st- you're the star here, and you are still tied up top with Chris Chapman uh, for the lead. We'll give it all out. It doesn't go. We don't end in the regular season. We go all the way through the Super Bowl to give everyone a chance to come back in the postseason. But you guys could go into the postseason with the lead this week, but you're both going to have to win, or I have to win. So uh, what, what do you got for us, Scooper? I love to hear that. I don't have anything too strong today, but I'm going to play something I played earlier this week. We're going to go with the Tennessee Titans, plus three and a half against uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Different team at home. Think they'll be feisty today, can stay within the number. The number is just a little bit too high. Well, Scoop, guess what? The RJ has them at four and a half, so you get an extra point out of that. So not too shabby. And um, I'll let Mags, we'll, we'll go from top to bottom. Mags, you can go next. Well, you know what? Until you told me that the RJ had them at four and a half, I was going to go on the other end of this because it's a must-win game for the Jaguars. Tennessee sucks. I don't care if they're at home. We 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 do know that Trevor Lawrence, a banged-up Trevor Lawrence, is going to play. You know what? I wanted to take the Ravens last week, and I, and I chickened out. I'm going to go with Jacksonville this week. I'm going to go head-to-head with the Scooper. Look at that, Mags. Well, mm. one of those two, one of them will win and one of them will lose. I'll make it Mags interesting. Taking Jacksonville and <laughs> There's gonna, nothing else I really feel that strong he's gonna about. He's going to give up the four and a half. And, and I'm going to go third since I'm third. Spencer, I would let you go because you're at the bottom, but that's the price you pay for being at the bottom. I was toying between two teams that I can't believe I was going to toy between, and that is going with the, either the Saints, the old Raiders quarterback, or Spencer's guy, Aiden, Aiden O'Connell. And you know what? I am going to go with the Raiders at home. I think they finished strong today for Antonio Pierce. They'll be one game under 500. I see them winning, and uh, I'll give up the three points to the Broncos and take the Raiders. Spence, who do you have? Yeah, I'm going to go a little unconventional, but I'm taking the Patriots at home over the Jets. This is the last game that Bill Belichick's ever going to coach for New England. There's no way these guys aren't going to play super hard, and I think the NFL really wants the Patriots to win, too. It's a nice little note to send off, Bill. There you go. Patriots for Spencer. That's the end of the show. I want to thank Jackson Woodards, thank the Scooper, Spencer, and Magnum. This is Out of Line. We're here every Sunday on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. The show's called Out of Line. I'm Brian Feldman, and we will see you next week. I will be live in Detroit, Michigan, as I will be attending the Detroit Lions and Los Angeles Rams playoff game. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.